Hello and welcome to the Success Secret Podcast with Rosso Santalev. I am excited to introduce you to a series of conversations with some of the most successful and inspiring individuals from various industries. My aim is to dive into the stories behind their success and explore the knowledge, strategies, habits, mindsets, and wisdom that have propelled their success. Each episode of the Success Secret Podcast will feature a different guest who will share their unique journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons they have learned along the way. I will also be covering topics from entrepreneurship and innovation to leadership and personal development. Whether you are an inspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or just someone looking to improve your life, the Success Secret Podcast is for you. My goal is to bring you valuable insights and inspiration that will help you achieve your own success in business and life. So get ready to learn and be inspired. The Success Secret Podcast starts now. In this episode, I have with me Dennis Hiller. He was on the founding team of Anchor Free, scaling its user base from 0 to 100,000 users. He was the head of marketing for Size Records, Steve Angelo of Swedish House Mafia and served as label manager for No Face Records. He is now the head of marketing at Zensitive. Dennis, welcome to the Success Secret Podcast. Hussein, it's so great to be with you on Success Grid Podcast. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and your audience and to talk about everything we're doing. It's incentive as well as entertainment and tech, as you mentioned. My background has been entrepreneurship, both in Silicon Valley, Hollywood, and really around the world. So uh, happy to be with you. Awesome. Awesome to have you. So we are going to be talking about startup marketing for new businesses, how they should look at marketing, how should they approach it, what are the areas, for example, should they do. So what do entrepreneurs need to know about marketing, first of all, before they even start doing anything about marketing? Yeah, it's a great question. So first of all, entrepreneurs need to understand that there's a funnel, right? Like what if you're a startup, if if you are Microsoft, you're in a completely different boat. You have big budgets, you have a reputation, you have a brand, you have all of that. When you're a startup, you're really struggling to bring something to market and you're struggling to survive, right? And you have competitors who are much bigger than you. And um, so bottom line is marketing is a way to bring in potential customers in the door and sales is a way to, of course, close those customers. And, uh, you know, the 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 founder of IKEA said that anybody can build great furniture if they have unlimited budgets, but very few people can make amazing furniture on what's called a shoestring budget. And in the startup world, your job is to do great marketing for a fraction of the price that anybody else is because you're by nature small and just getting started. That's that's uh, amazing actually. But but how do marketing in the fraction of the cost? When it is, it could be about like social media marketing, for example, and at the same time could be about ad spend on advertising mm-hmm. on like Google ads and Bing ads and YouTube ads. So, so right. how, how, how do you do that? How do you budget your marketing? Yeah, that's a really great question. So, um, I mean, I'll, I'll use Zencentive as an example because that is my current reality, right? We've, we've built this startup over the past year, this software company in the sales commission space, which I can get into later. And our competitors are much larger than us, right? So they've, they've raised venture capital anywhere from 
$8 million to $100 million plus. So they have a lot of money. So when we looked at uh, marketing, we looked at, okay, well, what costs little to nothing? Let's start with that. What costs little to nothing is sharing our expertise with the world, right? Writing blog posts, creating content, getting that SEO out there, right? That That's an area where we can compete. Now, can our competitors hire, I don't know, more writers than us? Sure. But the thing is, the reason why we exist in this in this space is because we've built a better product, right? We've built a better software company, a next generation software company. Uh, a lot of our, comp- anyways, I don't want to get into too much of the space, but but more broadly speaking, we have a lot of industry knowledge, right? So our uh, uh, founders before doing this, our founding team, you know, they ran sales commissions at companies like Tesla and some of the great companies in Silicon Valley. So we thought, hey, uh, maybe we don't have as much money as our competitors to go out there and sponsor a bunch of conferences or do some really, really expensive things, but we can share our knowledge. And so that's gotten us all over Google and created demand, right? So one area is content and SEO. Then, you know, you mentioned social media, same thing. Then there are other areas which are paid opportunities, right? So you mentioned paid ads. And when I look at our competitors, um, because the thing is, when you, Hussein, if you think about it, there are two types of startups, right? There's the startup where they've just created a whole new category, right? Like, let's say you create a flying car and you're the first one and you need to go out in the world and convince them that they need this flying car. You're creating the demand. That's one thing. But the space that I play in is completely different because we've done what's called created a better mousetrap, which means we this space has been around for 20 years. We looked at the competition and said, we can do something, we can create a, a better product, right? And so, so really um, a lot of what my job is, is looking at what are they doing and saying, what makes sense, what doesn't. If you have $50 million in the bank, you're making one decision. If you're much smaller like us, it's another. So basically what I did is I looked at, okay, well, what are our competitors doing in terms of paid marketing? What they're doing is they're running Google ads, right? They are on certain software directories um, and and they're doing certain other things. And then then you just price them out, right? And then you say, okay, great. Well, let's test. Let's see. Does Google make sense? Do some of the software directories like G2 and Captera make sense, right? We're B2B. If you're B2C, it's a little different. Um, and, And that's really it. And so if the competition is doing 20 things, I just want to do one or two things and 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 look for that needle in a haystack. Look for the opportunity and say, we could be doing all 20 if we had a lot more money, but since we don't, where is the best bang for the buck? That's the way you need to look at it when you're a startup. So that's, that's awesome because you mentioned one important thing is like opportunities are there to go after, right? But you need to find those opportunities that let's say, bring you the more uh, revenue in, for example. Like in regards to social media, if it's about certain social media platforms, there are plenty of them. But you need to know where your customer is and dial and double dial on that, right? 
Exactly right. Yeah, you, 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 uh, double on that. You're you're right because you can't be everywhere, right? So in the case of social media, we looked at social media and thought, where is the customer? That's exactly you. You nailed it. Like if we were some sort of consumer company with I don't know a teenage demographic, we'd probably be sitting on TikTok, right? But but we're not. We're a B two B company. We're solving uh, a, a very important need, which is sales commissions, right? So. What we uh, well, we can get into that later. But bottom line is um, LinkedIn. For us, it's LinkedIn, and later on, we'll expand to certain other areas. But right now, we're just really, really targeted and really, really focused on um, on one area. Yeah, that's that's important. So uh, when businesses or startups are looking to, let's say, they wanna fund money, fund their business with uh, a venture capitalist. Should they start right away from the beginning or should they start, uh, let's say, bootstrapping things and uh, how they should find this venture capital when they want to get it? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, I mean, gosh, there are so many ways to do it, Hussein, and there's so many examples of it being done in different ways. So in other words, there are people who go out and raise money when they have an idea and they don't even have a product. Other people bootstrap. I'll tell you, in the case of this company, um, you know, we 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 bootstrapped it first, right? So we we had incredible industry knowledge. So as I mentioned, you had you had a, a, a founding team who ran basically. So for the audience, so the so the audience knows what Incentive does and what our space does. It's called sales compensation software. So if you think about it. Um, When you're selling uh, any kind of sale, most sales, more than one person touches a sale. Let's say you're selling software. Easily 10 to 50 people could touch the software, right? There's the business development person who gets the client in the door. Then somebody qualifies. Somebody shows the presentation. Somebody, there's, there's so many, there's, there's, there might be an executive who's involved, et cetera. And then a deal is closed. And then you say, okay, great. Now we need a, we need a payout commission. But then on top of it, what if you create, what if you create an incentivized plan, right? What if you say, hey, if you sell half a million dollars worth of software, I'm using software as an example. It can be financing me, whatever you want. <clears throat> then you're in tier one. But what if I want to encourage you to kill it? Absolutely kill it. Then you create tier two, tier three. Bottom line is this stuff is nuanced. And for most companies, <clears throat> they start by uh, having it sit in an Excel spreadsheet and then quickly become so complex that they realize, hey, it needs to be in a software. And bottom line is... <clears throat> Uh, our founding team has worked uh, in uh, some of the, you know, used a lot of the other competitors. And we felt like, hey, this is too complex. We need to create something that has all the features, but is much more user friendly. Right. And um, that's what we did. So ultimately, the way that, that we started is we just did it. You know what I mean? Like our founding team, everybody had second jobs. We went out, the co- you know, the product was created, et cetera. And then we went to market. And from there, we we went to angel investors and we said, look, um, we we're we built this software. We believe it's better than anything else on the market. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, we've had testimonials. People like it. Now we would like money for further software development and further marketing and sales. 
That's it. And, um, uh, you know, we went to people we know. Uh, we talked to random uh, angel investors as well. We went all over the place. But the other trick, Hussein, which I would recommend to a lot of people, talk to venture capitalists before you need them. Because mm. people can smell when you need them, right? Like a client can smell when you really need this sale, when you're desperate. You know, angel, a venture capitalists can also smell when you're desperate. So what we did is as we were raising our angel round recently, we went to venture capitalists and we said, hey, um, we're going to be raising uh, a venture round, but we don't want your money right now. Okay. We are uh, almost done raising our angel round. <clears throat> we're going to get a bunch of early customers and then we'll be back. And that's exactly what they said. They said, look, we like the software. We like your team. Let's keep this conversation going. And that's what you want because a lot of people, what they do is they come to the venture capitalist with their hands out when they're desperate versus you're coming, you're saying, look, we're already going like this. Uh, I recommend you jump on here than here because it'll be much more expensive as we as we grow. And uh, does that answer your question, Hussein, as far as raising money? Yeah, that's uh, that's actually good idea to approach the angel investors before you actually need them. Because like you mentioned, when you actually need them, you start probably begging them to invest and they will see that as maybe a weak point. And if the business from their eyes don't really be like 100% solid and profitable in the future and growth, so they might not invest. But when they have, when they see the opportunity that this might be a good investment before you even tell them that you need the money in the future, so that yes. is much more considerable from their side. And 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 to add also, before we went to angel investors, we went to friends and family and we raised a small friends and family round. And at that point, it was literally an idea on a piece of paper, right? And so those people are taking the most risks. So obviously you give them the biggest reward because they have the most to lose and the most to gain. When you go to angels or even professional like institutional investors, uh, venture capitalists or, or anyone else, you have to understand what they're looking for right? As an investor. So when an angel investor ideally is looking for an exit, a cash out down the line of 50 to hundred times what they're putting in, right? So if they're putting in $25,000 as an example, they want to know that there's the possibility to make two and a half million dollars one day. And the way that you demonstrate that to them is you need to, obviously you need a great product, but you also need to understand your space because a lot of people who are saying what I noticed is they go to investors and they say, hey, I built this really great thing. I built these headphones. They're incredible. It's like, okay, that's great, but show the investor the field, show them the space, right? So what we did is we went out and we looked at our competitors. We looked at how much money did each of our competitors raise? When were they founded? When were they bought if they were bought? All these things. And then that way you go to your, your investors and you say, this is our company, this is our team, uh, this is our plan. Oh, and by the way, this is the space, right? And then, and then that shows them that you know what you're talking about, and you're looking at that things from from their perspective. But ultimately, just just um, 
And, and also the, for the audience, it's important to understand, obviously, if you have a network and you know people and you have relationships, that really helps. But if you don't have relationships, it's more of a grind. But you can go out there and literally sit on LinkedIn and find interesting people and say, listen, this is what we're doing. Can I set up a call with you? I'd love to show you what we're doing. Here's our deck. And people do that all the time. And they raise money from, uh, you know, strangers. It's a lot of work, but it's done all the time. So is there a difference? Like you are into B2B mm-hmm. side of things. So is there much differences dealing with B2B from B2C? Oh, man, it's huge. Like uh, I used to, as you mentioned in the intro, I used to work in the entertainment industry, right? So my career has been, I was in Silicon Valley, uh, the San Francisco area. I worked on a couple of startups. Uh, You know, one of them was an absolute home run anchor free. Um, uh, uh, Actually, in the Middle East, that's where we got a bunch of our early users with the uh, uh, Hotspot Shield, the VPN, one of the first VPNs in the world. And, um, you know, and then after that, I, I moved into Hollywood and Hollywood, it, the music industry specifically, very B2C space. Right. And, and they're quite similar, but they're they're also different. I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of people say that B2B doesn't really exist. And it's true because people buy from people. Right. Like a business is not really your customer. They're still a person or people. Right. Like I was just talking with a customer of ours and, uh, you know, he owns a company. Um, he's in Boston, really nice guy. He has a team. And, you know, so we've built a relationship. Right. So am I selling to his business? Yes. I'm trying to solve his business for needs, but really it's it's him. And I need to get in his my teammates and I, we need to get in his shoes and understand where he's coming from. B2C is exactly the same thing. But at the, at the end of the day, with B to B to C, uh, usually the price point is a lot lower, right? So with business, you're selling a subscription. It's it's probably a larger ticket item. Uh, I would say B to B is a little more professional for obvious reasons. Like B to B is LinkedIn. B to C is TikTok, right? Uh, B to C uh, probably has a little more. Um, I don't know, personality, like they're B2B with personality, but like, you know, I mean, it's business. Like at the end of the day, a B2B company, your clients expect you to be professional. When I was in the music industry, did anyone expect us to be professional? No, they expected the artists who I worked with to put on a great show for them. They wanted to see fireworks. They wanted to see smoke. They wanted to hear great music. They wanted to have a good time with their friends. But I think the similarity is, we knew the question you ask yourself is who are who's your audience, right? So in music, our audience was a young demographic looking to have a good time with their friends and forget about work, right? Uh, uh, right now, our audience is business people. So it might be somebody who's managing sales commissions at a software. It might be a company owner. It might be uh, the the finance team, right? It might be salespeople saying, hey, we want to know our, our commissions better and I don't understand this and blah, blah, blah. So, but but to me, they're the same. It's all about just understanding people and how to solve their problems, honestly. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is a great point because this is why you see in general, there are a lot of businesses who are the same thing, doing the same thing, but there is certain customers that 
want to work with this company. I said, customers want to work with this company. Because eventually, maybe they had certain experience with one of them and they didn't like it or they switched. So, so it's about the relationship that you build with your audience. So this is the eventually the core, whether you are B2C or B2B even. Yeah. yeah, and and I mean honestly, you know it's you know it's another similarity I see between B2B and B2C is like we're throwing an event uh in San Francisco November 16th. So we're doing a panel discussion. Uh obviously the world's going through inflation, a lot of inflation and recession. So you know it's a question that people have in all kinds of spheres and industries. So we put together a panel discussion called sales compensation in inflationary times, right? Super relevant. And we're getting people in, in a room together in the uh, uh, downtown San Francisco. And uh, part of it is the business side of it, but part of it is meeting face to face. It's having good food, drinks, and just just being in the same room and building building that connection. Is that really that different from my music industry days when we would put on shows in a nightclub or uh, a huge uh, arena or something like that? Not really. I mean, it's still people show up somewhere. They want to have a good time. They want to have a connection. I mean, one is in a work context. One is in a play context. But to me, they're quite they're There are certain similarities, if that makes sense. So you work with a team uh, I assume it's ca- yes. kind of all over the US and maybe in Europe also, right? So so how do you advise entrepreneurs when they are growing their business? They want, of course, to bring in more people, more employees. How do they get that, especially if they are getting people who are, let's say, abroad and remote workers? Yeah, great question. Um, and we are very spread out. So we have people in California, Florida, um eastern europe right we have somebody in turkey we're a worldwide company right and i think uh 2020 and 2021 really taught everybody the value of of remote but it was a trend that happened for a long time and um i think i think there's a couple of things so first of all having that kind of approach really leads to uh the best talent Right. So because you can say, hey, I have a person here, I have a person there, etc. But the downside of remote is the connection isn't naturally as strong. Right. If you and I are sitting in the same room together, uh, there's a stronger relationship than if we're over email and Zoom. Mm-hmm. So the way that you I, th- I think there are a couple of things that need to happen. Um, one is. First of all, if possible, in-person contact, at least sometimes, is really, really important. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, I was just on a brief uh, vacation with my family to Las Vegas for four days. Um, And uh, one of our team members lives in Las Vegas. So I made it a point to go see him. And, you know, just have a cup of coffee and talk and just share the breathe the same app, something as simple as that. Right. Uh, obviously, if you're completely on other ends of the world or there are limited budgets, you might not be able to do that. But I think it's important to prioritize that. 
especially if you think about it, you're saving money on not having an office if you're a completely remote company. So use some of that budget to, to plan little get togethers and stuff like that. Um, the other thing is people have different styles of work, right? Like one person might be a morning person. Another person might be an evening person. One person might like people. Another person might not like people all that much. And I think you have to work uh, what's called asynchronously, which means there's a goal and there's a deadline and you have your part in the project. But do I really care if you do it Tuesday at three in the morning or Wednesday at 1 p.m.? It, it shouldn't matter. What should matter is, is the work getting done, right? And when you have that attitude, you're going to do better. You need certain tools. You need project management. You need Slack. You need all that stuff. But I think that's that's uh, at least that's the way we do it. So, what would you advise now entrepreneurs who are, as a final note for this episode, to focus on when they are doing their startup marketing? I would focus on your customer. Uh, I would, uh, uh, you know, there there are not. There are no customers in your office. There are no customers in your bedroom or wherever you're working from. There are customers out in the world. Get to know the customers. Talk to them as much as possible. Don't live in a vacuum, you know? Um, and then I would really focus on needles in a haystack. Find those opportunities. In other words, um, explore as many options. Test as much as you can. But if you're a small company, your advantage is that you can't like if you're an enormous company, you have to spend a lot of money. You have to do things that aren't efficient. If you're a small company, you can make decisions quickly. You can test and you can find little little areas where you're like, oh, for four thousand dollars over a few months, we get this. And anyways, I, that, that's that's what I'd advise companies. Be nimble, be smart and really conserve your resources and 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 just just be frugal and grow, grow, grow. So, Dennis, where can people get in touch with you and your company if they want to learn more about you or the incentive? Yeah, so they can head to zencentive.com, Z-E-N-C-E-N-T-I-V.com. Hopefully, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, We have a great blog about all things sales, so hopefully that'll help you out. Um, Also, I can be found on LinkedIn, Dennis Hiller. Um, I'm on Instagram and the rest of it, but, you know, for work stuff, uh, Dennis Hiller, if you want to shoot me an email, D-E-N-I-S, Dennis with one N, at zencentive.com. Would love to hear from all of you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dennis, for being here today with this episode of the Success Secret Podcast. Great insight into marketing for startups. Thank you. Thanks so much, Hussein. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.